tell people who you are that are listening. Uh, Kayla Remington. Do you want me to go through my whole background or just say my name? You can start with your uh, horoscope sign. Uh, no, whatever you want. I'm a Leo. I like walks on the beach. I can also do a daiquiri. Nice. Um, no. Phoenix born. Or no, no, he's Utah. I grew up, uh, yeah, I was born in Salt Lake City, Utah. And then I was there till I was like 19. And then I moved to Arizona with my mom and my sister. We all. What's come. the age difference between your sister, by the way? Uh, so about uh, 15 months. Are you the was... older? Are you the younger? But what? What? Like everybody thinks I'm older. Is it because I'm distinguished? Because <laughs> I've known you first. Maybe that's the only reason. <laughs> she, I know she's in the industry. She's, no, yeah, she's. Uh... But I think I met you before. Maybe that's why I just assumed it. No, I was very fortunate actually to have Kara my whole life, honestly, because we decided to go to college together, and we kind of. That's kind of where you guys go to school. ASU. Yeah, we went to ASU. We got our degrees Two... in construction management. So two girls from, uh, there's a different culture in Salt Lake City than there is in Arizona. How was that culture shift? <laughs> <laughs> was that awesome? Uh, so my, uh, in Salt Lake, I was a practicing, I was a practicing Mormon. So it was a very big culture shift for me because when I came to Arizona, it just wasn't what I personally wanted anymore. We all grow up with a religion and we sure, just sure. kind of go into the mold and then I grew out of it. Uh, still amazing things offer. I still have a lot of friends who do it. But for me, going from Utah to Arizona ASU. <laughs> was like complete culture shock. And I remember going into the grocery store and like, wow, you can buy alcohol in a grocery store. Like this is like Mormon amazing. girls gone wild. That's what we're talking about, right? So you <laughs> not that wild. <laughs> so you and your sister both got construction management degrees from ASU. Awesome. And then what did you yep. guys do from there? Did because she went to engineering right, I thought, right? You went so we, we actually both went to college. I think I talked about this when I was speaking at DCAC, but uh, we both went to college to be teachers. And then uh, I had, we ended up getting jobs at a general contractor program. And then we went into the construction management group because they give money to get women. They support women into the construction program. So Kira and I both joined that program. And then she worked at Sun Construction and I worked mm. at Nitty Brothers Construction for a little bit and jumped around till I ended up at DPR. That's where I met you, I think. Yeah, I was at DPR. Cyrus won, right? That's where you were with Cyrus Wan I at think that time? I was at Cyrus still. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then Kira, so Kira left Sunt and went to work for uh, KW Engineering. That's right. And then I went to, I was at Cyrus Wan, and then I left and went to Hayden, and then I went to Stack, and then now yeah. I'm at Arizona Game of Fish. For a little bit. What was that? You just threw your second in the dirt. I'm kicking my ball and I'm going home. I don't want this game anymore. You want to be in data centers? What happened? Uh, mental break. All right. Everything you right? Know. No, everything's good. You just, I feel like you probably went through it where you push yourself so hard and then you see like, it's just kind of like what we've talked about in the past where like you see yourself at a certain direction and then, but you can't always like life's never going to give you what you want. It gives you what you need. And I wanted it to go this way and it went the opposite way. And so it was just like, you know what? I think I, I think I'm putting too much into it. I'm too much into my head, like every person and I, women do it a lot too. And so I had to take a mental break and like figure out what was important to me, what my priorities are. And like, because I'm, I'm no good to anybody when I don't even know me. Like, I don't know. If I think that's sense. fantastic. That's leadership courage. They call it where you yeah. have the ability to reflect and go work on those blind spots and, not a lot of people do that. They just go from one to the other. And it's typically because of the things that you were alluding to. The uh, They self-impose 
this need to impress people that don't really care through these negative optics that they think people will actually give a shit about. And like, I'm living proof to where, um, I mean, Laramie and JT are probably the ones that hammered me the most on it, I guess, but I don't care. Right. And they know like, they're just giving me a hard time. If it wasn't that, it'd be something else. And I'm the same, but I do not, I do not apologize for making myself happy and with what I do for my living. Right. Because I need to be fulfilled. I need to be inspired by what I do every day, just like you. I need to work in an environment where I feel safe. You know, I mean, I don't know what it's like to be a woman in the workforce with a lot of dudes in this space, but um, don't think that guys don't feel, you know, unsafe sometimes too, right? And and I have to be fulfilled by what I'm doing. I mean, like, am I learning? Am I growing? Am I Me just too. am I just someone's, you know, uh, crutch for something? And I don't really have an opportunity to see a growth path. If I don't have those things, just like you. I will be very, then why would I bother going home where I'm a miserable person already and then I'm going to be even more miserable at home. So I have to, I have to feed my body something healthy so I feel healthy and I have to do something that is good for my body that makes me healthy with, I enjoy what I'm doing. It just turns out that I've learned that the healthier I am, the more output and productivity I can and, and your health is proportionate to your happiness, right? So you got to be happy. Some people won't do that because they're afraid of what others will think and they'll just, outside be everything's fine and inside they're no it's absolutely true i the same thing i want to make sure i'm adding value because like i know you have to figure out what's a priority you because we all have like core values set inside us that we have to honor or else you're gonna feel like you're you're not going in the right direction and like a lot of people i think some of their value is money but it's never money has just never been like that's a, a normal construct yeah well, and so a lot of people were raised like that but I did go through a phase where I was chasing it because I thought it I thought it would make something for me. Like I was chasing salary and I was like, oh, I want that job because that will pay more. And then you get there and you're like, this money isn't worth this at all. Like, it give us with one hand, take it with yeah, the other. It's like figure I out your pain. And that I know we all talk about it, but I feel like I had you kind of sometimes have to go through it personally 100%. to really understand it. And I went through a phase too, like when I was at Stack. I I went through a phase where, like, if someone called me on the phone with an issue, I felt like I could only succeed if I was the one who, like, fixed it and got it, like, again, my, me and my mental stuff. But And so I would over overburden myself because I would take on everybody's challenges because I needed to show them that, like, I can do this. We can do this together. Like, that's the only way I'll be successful is if I'm, like, constantly. And then I realized I'm actually just hurting them and me because it's what's that old saying where – you can give someone a fish and they'll eat for a day, but if you show them how to fish, they eat for your life. And so it's like when someone calls you and they're very anxious and they have a huge issue going on, you're really kind of doing them a disservice by being, well, do this, 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 and this. Like when I should have been like, okay, like have you worked out what, like what is the factual information about where your problem came up from? Because usually in construction, there's like a factual information. It's usually guys who, or girls or anyone on the site who gets worked up about the intensity and the anxiety and then it nobody will actually get rid of the anxiety to focus on the problem and so I used to just fix it for them because I could get through it quickly but I wasn't ever I guess helping them figure out how to do that for themselves so that they mm. didn't have to call me they didn't have to take that step like they could it's normal that's yeah, mature, like, a professional growth thing yeah it all happens but that's kind of the stuff I'm working on too is like how do you help someone curb their anxiety so because they already have the solution in their head they just have to get there and they don't need you to solve it for them most of the time they already know it 
So let's let's back up some more then, because there's a lot of people that are big Kayla fans too, you know, and we've we've known you for a long time, you know, and I think you probably have. I was also going to tell you, don't worry, you guys give me just as much crap as you give each other, and I kind of <laughs> like to. it. <laughs> you're one of us. You're our, you're our sister. We're our brother, sister's keeper. We got to look after each other, right? The thing is, is um, you've always been well respected, right? Ever since I met you, uh, you definitely have been known as someone that uh, does their shit first, you know, and and then at some point. You know, who contributed the greatest to your professional development at that younger age? Because I met you when you were on probably Tom Maple Seam DPR, maybe. Yeah. Okay. And then um, you went and you probably had Hector or yeah. LD. I mean, so yeah, at DPR, the people, I was Brett Helm and Tom Maples. Okay. They're both on to other, well, Tom's still at DPR, but, and then, yeah, when I went to Cyrus One, it was. Uh, How long were you at DPR for? And why did you go to them? Was that after you graduated? No, you went to a different place then there, right? Uh, so when I graduated ASU, I was an intern with DPR. Kira mm. worked on a joint venture with them. Sant and DPR uh, was the downtown uh, health sciences or life science building she was building with them. And so I would go have lunch and I got to know the guys at DPR. Uh, it was kind of funny because I kind of figured out my personality style compared to Kira. So Sant is like, was more of a structured uh, GC. So they would be like, if you, they had a book and if you needed it, like how to write an RFI, do this, do that. You follow it to the tent. Like you can yeah. go there and you can follow it step by step. DPR was more of like, you do what works for you. As long as it meets our needs, like you go any way you want. Like mm. you don't have to a write an RFI. Freedom. Yeah. Like any style you want, you can do it. If it's your management style works this way, we'll accept it, embrace it. And as long as you're not breaking any laws or rules or whatever. So I, I noticed I was more leaning that way. I like to like free blade. Yeah. And then Kira like structure. She so loves a like structure and that well, sort of Well, linear style. versus abstract, yeah. right? And so when I was hanging out with them, they were like, why don't you come be an intern? And then actually Kira introduced me and was like, yeah, she's looking to become an intern. So then I became an intern with them. And then I actually did uh, my first project was eBay on Third Street in Phoenix with Dean. Dean Shut was at, yeah, it was eBay PayPal with McKinstry. No way. And uh, so Dean was, re they were uh, doing, it was when they had six foot raised access floors. And I was the shortest. So I was the QAQC person walking underneath, not hitting my head. And it was like, they put a lot of money into it too. It was really cool. It was all Tron themed. How how high were the race floors? Six feet. Like, Holy yeah. snaps! And okay. so I was walking through, but they used to have uh, chilled water loops that were like double decker on size, and they like looped around. And so when when they would put in the lines, I would have to go through and check because I was the one that could fit in there. Oh yeah, perfect. Yeah, fit. <laughs> it was like perfect intern grunt work, which I loved, but. I also have this weird obsession with liking to do things myself. So I understand it. Like when I was an intern, I was laying block with the block guys and then they kicked me out because my production rate was horrible. <laughs> like they pick it up with one hand and set it and slap it. And it is really heavy. So you have to like, my... I'm, I'm seeing some OCD ish type of perfectionist type of <laughs> tendencies. I can see that. It was fun though. I, it was actually really fun. I used to always drive the equipment too at DPR. They would like drive all the backhoes and the, Water truck was like my relaxation. I would go water down the site just to zen out in the middle Shut of Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I actually got told when I was pregnant I wasn't allowed to drive it anymore because it might put me into labor. Oh, wow. So they were like, no more driving the water truck. You're done. 
but dang, I've never heard of that. Yeah, you never know. Well, Would no, you no, want I mean, to like, I've never <laughs> look. I've never worked at a construction site where we had to go over to one of the ladies driving heavy equipment and say, "Hey, listen, I don't want you to go into labor right here." I've never seen that. that really? Right? Listen, it's just not as prevalent as you think, I guess. But no. I'm sure it happens. I just don't see it as so. well. Yeah, when I was in college, uh, I don't know, JT will probably appreciate this. I was doing a parking lot in Yuma, Arizona. I volunteered Oof. to work the 4th of July so that I could make double. Extra money. Extra money. And uh, it was 120 degrees, asphalt parking lot. I'm pulling cable through the light pole base so that we can stream up the light pole. And it was just like, I had so much sweat getting caught in my eyes. It was like burning. and it, But I like understood it just helps you kind of the grit. Yeah, yeah. Like you kind of get it all together. So long story. I'm now but, into a long story. No, it's good. I want to hear that story. That's why we have you here. And we booked it a little bit of time because this is important for your story because I don't have enough of those stories. Oh. I mean, I could find another, there's a, uh, I could throw a dead cat right over there and get a dude in this industry that could come tell me an amazing story. Not as, not as hard, not as easy to find the, the women in this industry that have the ability to move the needle, right? They, it's hard to get them to be here. They just, they just I don't like, like doing cat. it. Yeah. Well, well, my thing is at that up to that point, who was your greatest influence? Was it your mom? Was it like uh, your grandfather? Was it your dad? I mean, big brother so coaches. Were you an probably, athlete, by the way? <laughs> I wish I was an athlete. <laughs> wish I had athletic ability. It would be amazing. I tried to play soft. So Kira was the softball girl. Like she, she, she has good. coordination. She has skills. I'm like, I'm your typical girl. I try to throw the softball to my son right now, and he's like. Mom? And I'm like, I know, I'm <laughs> working on it. Like, I want to look cool throwing a ball, too. Uh, but so she grew up that way. But I would have to say it was my mom a lot and my sister, too, because my mom. Like, it's funny that when I say I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, people are like, oh, yeah, like you probably had the life or like the golden spoon or and you're like, no, like it. And my mom's side of the family to get a college degree was like you were rare. Like most of them were just trying to get through high school. So it was like her and Kira and me were always just trying to push ourselves to like be better than what was expected, I guess. And so I'm like super fortunate. And my dad says it all the time where he's like, you're just so lucky to have Kara. And uh, we kind of push each other too. We don't like, she's one of the, we I have the conversations with her where you get the weak mind or the victim mind where, like, at least I do. I don't know if everybody does. We all have an inner bitch and an inner yes, champion. Yes, the inner voice. And sometimes you you start to believe it and you start to, like, overthink it and you start to spiral. And it's nice when Kira's like, stop. Like, you are out of control. Like, you are thinking things. Like, I told her about when I was leaving Stack. Like, oh, I'm going to be the black plague of the industry. Everyone's, I know. I know. Saying it now, it sounds very weak, but... Kira was the one that's like, do you even hear yourself talking right now? And you're like, oh, yeah, I, I'm not. Like, I'm in my own movie-making, creating personas. And I feel like that kind of happens a lot to people when they get spiral out of control at work. But oh, No, it's not you. It's everybody. It's Our brains are wired to be in a defensive posture yeah. all the time. So we're constantly – that's why solitary confinement is one of the harshest forms of punishment yeah. because they want to leave you to your own brain because they know your thought cycle is going to default into something negative. When if you think about it, we are like the winning species from caveman. Like our genes helped us survive like dying from like Being paranoid. and starve. I'm going to freeze to death. I'm so gonna... our minds are just constantly projecting how we are going to die. Exactly. But there's really nothing here we need to die from. Or you just have to uh, not worry about it and just be like, hey. Yeah, because you don't have anything to worry about. You can't about. control everything. Just yeah. go out and enjoy your life. So to that end, so you left oh. uh, DPO. Hold on. So that 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 nucleus of family is what 
I mean, it sounds like you guys were pressure testing each other, you and your sister, which I'm not even Constantly. a little bit surprised about, right? And then um, you guys end up in Phoenix, and you go to Arizona, you go to the whatever, then you go to DPR. From DPR, you yes. went to Cyrus. Yep. Went right? to, well, so to finish off the DPR story, when I was done being an intern there, they sent me to San Francisco to build uh, the U, um, UCSF Mission Bay Hospital. So I did the exterior skins, and then— Is that a greenfield, brownfield retrofit? Yeah, it was—well, okay. it was— Right I'm by the mission ballpark, the AT&T mission ballpark. It was like right on the other side. So, and it was by the Salesforce condo. He actually donated because he had a children's hospital. So the, what's the guy's name? The owner of Salesforce. He donated a bunch Mark of money. Mark Benioff? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I built that. And then after three or four years, I transferred back to Phoenix. And when I came back, uh, since I did a mission critical with Dean in uh, Phoenix when I started and then uh, I went to hospitals so when I came back they were like let's just put her back on a mission critical project Cyrus one with uh, did Ivan. you want to do that though or did you want to build hospitals more? so I just wanted did to you get not care I just wanted to get back to Phoenix I didn't care I really enjoyed UCSF Mission Bay though like it was there was so many it was I had a his name was Brett and he was an architect from Skanska no not Skanska um, Stantec and he so I used to think that it was painful to work for the people that just like push you all the time. Like when you're young, you're like, man, I don't want to work for that guy. He just is constantly pressuring me and putting like he just but he I learned the most and got the most out of working with him because he wouldn't you would send in an RFI and he would because I'm an engineer. I was a project engineer really young and you'd send it in and he was like a little English teacher. He would. Red Mark just slaughter you. He would absolutely slaughter you. And I think at the end he would put stuff like, do you even know what you're talking about? And it was like, it was so brutal. But I learned so much in like six was months. Was he an architect or an engineer? Oh, he was an architect. Oh, yeah. Total he was. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I loved every minute of him. We were doing a site walk and uh, it took me, We it was like a love-hate relationship. But then we like, oh, man, he's so great. But he one of the times we were walking and he had these beautiful um, glazing fins that would stick outside of a building and it was like glass um what's it called when it's uh colored glass stained glass so it's like but it was in a sort of pattern so that when the light hit it exactly it would come onto the sidewalk and make like art so oh, that's as awesome. you were walking on the sidewalk it was gorgeous it was beautiful and so like he's we had a spine in between the two hospitals and it had air handler units on it but you know air like there's so many knobs on an air handler unit and they were higher than the precast parapet so you could see it popping out and so one of the days where we were walking back from lunch he's like hey i need you to take a minute i'm like okay it's like i'm dead i'm dying on a stretcher and all i see is these horrible air handler units and i was like brett <laughs> i don't think if i'm dying i'm really caring yeah no kidding that's not the thing you worry about he's like he looked at me, he's like, touche, okay, man. That's we an architect like, story, But though. it was just funny. We were we used to banter, and it took us a while to get there, but learned so much. Uh, so it was a really great project. I really enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed, like, the way that office in San Francisco was built. It The culture was just amazing. And then, but I had to come back to Phoenix. My family. Uh, were you already married by this point? I was engaged. Okay. So it was firefighter. Fighter. Uh, uh, jumper. Firefighter. He, like, jumps into planes, or is he going he to the truck? started out that way so he he did everything he was a hot shot he was for the hot shot crew so what is a hot shot that's the part um so there's a hot shot is the guy they send into the fire to like do drag the lines and like so if to there's direct a, the fire yeah so if there's a fire coming down the hill they'll like 
scrape it so they create a line yeah. so that the fire follows that. And they're the guys they call in first. Like mm-hmm. they pretty much come in. And then the smart the smoke jumpers are the kind of similar, but they smoke they drop them where areas you can't. They hardly use them anymore because they have a, a high death rate and it's yeah, like really risky. That's super dangerous. So they don't use them a lot. They're still around. Did he like doing that though? So his his new grievance is that uh that's his passion. He loves Smoke fighting jumping? fire. Oh. Well, he just loves fighting fire because then he had an engine after that. So then he got he became a captain of an engine, and then they're behind it. But now he's he's like in the management part. So he no fun anymore. Now he has to sit in a tent and manage it and track it and Ugh. like. So he loves it, but he also misses the yeah, like, take a number. Yeah. Every player gets done. You yeah, know, like, everybody yeah. misses the yeah. action. So he's currently going through that right now. But well, that's why you gotta enjoy it while you can. That's why you gotta enjoy it while you can. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's pretty cool. I remember you telling us crazy stories about that. I I have to have a beer with that guy one day. Just oh, to you hear, do. I bet he's got crazy stories. We had dinner one night, and you were wearing you know those that shirt with the had. A, Inappropriate shirt of some yeah, kind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he wears the same. I'm like, you have to meet this guy, Kirk, because you and him wear the same clothes, and you're just you have the same like tendencies. Bring him to DCAC. Yeah, he needs to come <laughs> because seriously, he's exactly like you. Awesome. Uh, he's got a huge beard. And he looks homeless most of the time, but he's a firefighter, man. He's supposed to look oh, yeah. like that. Those guys are the lumberjacks. And uh, no, we. It's kind of nice to talk to him too because I tell him about a lot of the Wimco women stuff that I do and. They're really pushing him and promoting him to bring women into the the field. Of course. So it's kind of nice to hear his, because he has a very different manly kind of vibe that he has to have girls do like that. The physical intensity of doing that work is just insane. So It is. And his trying to find women who will take that on is quite the task. It's true. And uh, you don't want to compromise the standard, right? Because it's about saving lives and yeah. you know, saving property and stuff. but. It's really important that we hope to find a way to. I, I think that there's a lot of stupid constructs that were ex- w- traditions of maybe the way that we are all raised, where people are like you're not supposed to do this. You're supposed to go to school and get good grades, and then you go to this thing, and you go to good college, you make, and then if you make all the money, then you be ha- you know. And there's this whole bullshit homogenous thing. So we just kind of buy into things because people tell us, yeah, yeah, that's what you're supposed yeah. to do. And then finally, you're like, why do I have to do that again? Right. So I think. Um, there's a whole new wave of like not resistance, but people that are like, why am I just? I'll just gonna reinvent fire. Let's just figure out a way to do it. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's actually I kind of we when I was I think I talked about it too at TCAC when I was talking, but it's kind of the same thing where because he has he has males on he's worked with in his past life that have felt that they couldn't put their livelihood or feel like they would be safe counting on a woman to be on the engine because they're like, she can't handle it. She can't lift the loads. Well, is that what it is? The, yeah. Because look, let's just be they honest. They have pack tests. You have to carry so much on your back. You have to do everything. Yeah. But I, it, we talk about it and I'm like, but I'm sure there's guys on your engine or that guys that you've had it. that also struggle. But it, it's like you said, it's in your head, the stereotypes of what, and it's hard to let go because just like we were cavemen and we had to learn how not to get eaten by like saber tooth tiger back then we still have that ingrained in us in the back of our brain you can't find it i think though uh there is a whole new push where there are like my daughter and i were watching a movie it was called the outpost and at the end you know it's these army guys getting overran a little bit and then this helicopter this uh apache longbow comes in and just kind of lays waste to a bunch of the bad guys and over the radio it's a woman talking trash on the dudes like hey here we got your back and blah 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 and my daughter heard that and she's like, 
girls could fly helicopters. I'm like, you could do anything. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm I'm now pushing her into non-traditional things because I'm like, what do you think you want to do when you get older? And she's talking about like, you know, there's teachers and nurses and all these things. And I'm like, those things are great. Why don't you go be the CEO of a company that builds this or does that? Why not be a firefighter? Why not fly helicopters? You know, so I'm doing my best too. I think most of us guys yeah. are because we all have we have daughters. We won't we don't want to see them be captain limited. We're not in those traditions of society anymore to where they're like, let's You have to follow that stereotype. I think that, you know, like it's the same thing with men too though. Like I'm sure uh Henry when he was little was just had so much energy in daycare and they really for some reason they only had like activities like tumbling and dancing. So I signed him up for it. My husband was like, You did what? And I'm like, Yeah, everyone could do some tumbling and some dancing. <laughs> Uh, I know it was. <laughs> that's a mom move. That's not a it's dad a move. I know. Like, you can, but if he, he's going to have some explaining to do when he goes to soccer practice tomorrow. He could tomorrow. be on the next Disney Channel high school hey, musical. We're only messing around. I'm, I know. I if know, it I'm wasn't confusing. that, I mean, our kids are going to be messed. I mean, kids are horrible. I mean, they're all awesome. We love our kids, but they're just not, uh, they aren't born with the answers and the knowledge and how to engage other humans. It's learned. Yeah. And until they're learning, they're just constantly ran into each other with mean things and this and that. And it's just part of life. I mean, we're all like that probably at some point. Right? Oh, no. It's uh, literally before I came here, uh, I asked my son what he wanted for breakfast. And he's like, I want anything but eggs. All I ever eat is eggs. But I had already made eggs, so I just gave it to him. And I was like, here's your eggs. And he would not eat his breakfast. And I'm like, well, just don't eat the eggs. You have, like, everything else to eat. And he's, like, just so disgusted that, like, I made him eggs when he was very specific about not wanting it's eggs. It's a horrible mom thing to do. I don't oh, know what you're thinking. And I'm like, you don't think Bad I'm like, parenting you're going right to have things in life you don't want. You have to now accept <laughs> yeah. it and move on. Eat the ham, eat the toast, leave the legs alone, leave the eggs alone. <laughs> no, you got to hand it to him and be like, oh, you want cereal? Here's your cereal. And it's just a big plate of eggs. <laughs> eat your cereal. <laughs> Out of spite. That's, I'm going to make him eggs. That's how my it's life, that's how I was raised. <laughs> no, All right, so too. so you, it sounds like you had a pretty strong collection of people that were pouring into you and helping. I, were they directly or indirectly teaching you how to grow and develop? So, yeah, that was kind of my point is like some of the strongest um, – there's just people in your life that you didn't expect to be your like leader or mentor. Like it's just – but they did. They ended up being that way. Like when I went to Cyrus One, uh, there was so many people like Mike Connell from mm. Corrigan. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And guy. He would come in uh, every Wednesday and do sight walks with Billy Dressel, uh, also a great guy. And he, even though I was with DPR at the time, it was before I went to Sarah's one, he had no reason to give me time or try to train me or anything. Like he, he worked for Corrigan completely. Like there was no reason for him to even like help it's me. Fairly anyway. senior at Corrigan too. Yeah, yeah. And he like, he has bigger fish to fry than a little project engineer from DPR. But he would, every time he came in on Wednesday, he would, we would set up a meeting. He would walk me. He would like show me things, teach me things like Kayla, this, and it was it's just an amazing experience because he would always give me time. He was the busiest guy and he would come into town and everybody wanted a piece of him, but he would be like, anything you need? Like, what are your questions? He'd walk through everything with me and he would show. And then Billy was always patient too. And, and, uh, it kind of, and then that's when Cyrus one approached me and asked me to stay because like we were just bonding so well and had a great team. And I, I didn't want to leave DPR because it was fun, but, you also have to keep growing. And I wanted to be home more with my son because I was driving all over the place. But so then I went to Cyrus one and Hector once again was this little, he was just this little 
guy that had a full on he man if he wanted the most something, epic mustache of all time. <laughs> epic mustache. Yes, but yeah, he has yeah, still. But the, I learned a lot a, from him too, and it was like, super smart. You always think that the mentors or the people who are going to give you the most feedback are the nice ones, where they just like nurture you, like a mom, I guess you would say, or like where you just get. But it it's actually was opposite for me. It was the people that made things difficult for me, not difficult, but they didn't let me take the easy road. They were always like, Good. work hard, try, do this. And like, and I learned, it was just a learning curve for me to realize that those people were the ones that pushed me to be my best. Like they're the ones that don't want you to take the easy road. They want you to keep learning, keep growing. And, and, uh, Laramie too, he definitely loves to throw a little zingers at no. you to keep you on your toes. Mm -mm. I don't know. That's it. never happened. That's never happened to you. It's always puppies mm. and pensies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, he's he runs a tight ship. I've been on the yeah. back end of his stick before too, right? And um, you have to having once you were probably at Cyrus. Now you understand the magnitude of pressure that oh, goes yeah. into the investment committees, to let alone managing the trades from a safety and budget and schedule perspective. But there's a lot going on, man, and it's a very kinetic situation. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't ever uh, people that are in those types of roles, no matter how cagey they get. Sometimes I'm like, I get it, I totally understand. There was like. Uh, so while he does love to throw you a joke or two, I do remember there was one time he was out of town or he was somewhere and um, one of the, we had a data hall that was trying to lock down and it wasn't, it was having a little bit of issues and it was kind of intense and I'd only been there like a year and I don't know, Hector, I can't remember what Hector was doing, but one of the clients, like he was really high up there up the food chain. Laramie like sent me a text and he's like, hey, you're going to get a call from this guy who's really high up there just let him know why you're having these issues and what we're doing and i remember just being like i had the anxiety the panic everything was like going through because i had to basically tell that guy that it was his own team like they were in their own way mm. and i was like i didn't feel like i am not capable of managing this or handling delivering this news and he's like and he always was really good at like sending you messages like hey I got you. You got this. You can do it. And like he never I guess he didn't do what I did when I told you in the beginning where I had like anxiety and I like he just coached you to just stay strong yeah. and pull through. Like that's all you got to do. The thing that I always told people because um, I'd be around and I mean there was was there anybody that was doing more volume maybe at that time. I mean and Hector had a pile of experience because he came from digital. Right. So between Hector and 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 LD out there I mean there was a just a plethora of capacity and uh, capabilities mm -hmm. and and i think that people would they would talk about how hard uh, he runs with a razor's edge on some of the things he had to do and i think we all got it and i'm like i remember sitting around people have their little pity parties about shit and who's mean and you know this and that. i'm like not for nothing but he's always been fair i mean i'm not saying he doesn't push hard but he's like if you want to be great you're gonna have to no no we've never like he will always he will always, so I'm sure you know we have, there's some men, women, everyone will get a little bit of an ego to where they can't strip away a little bit of emotion to Why it. Why are you to looking at me while you're talking about the ego part? <laughs> I'm sitting right here. Do you remember when I was at Hayden, you were at Line? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was nice. We, I'm just our relationship never, never changed. We never had a problem. No, like, God. But I, we were always, I always enjoyed that we could just bluntly say how it was. We didn't have to tiptoe or dance or. And it should always be like that. Yeah, never tiptoed at any chance. But some people, I just always appreciate it because Laramie always delivers it that way too. He never. Black and white. Yeah. You, yeah. And I've never wanted someone to not be honest with me because 
if someone, if especially on a job site, it comes down to like you have to be able to start trusting each other or from the very get-go it's all just going to fall apart. But it really comes down to trust. And if you can't be honest and open with someone, then there's just no point in you even doing it because then they're just going to hide stuff, you're going to hide stuff, and then it just, it, it always just goes bad south quick. So, but it's also hard for people to trust people because like construction has such a, bad it's the same thing the same genere the same bad thing where the general contractor thinks that the owner's trying to get them and the sub thinks the gc is trying to get them and the vendor thinks that they're all just trying to get them like it's and it's really just the gc who's the jerks right oh yeah it's yeah it's just most me, 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 <laughs> but it all comes like you have stigmas at each level yeah. that from the very beginning people come in guarded because yeah. they've got a stigma about it and so from the very get-go you have to help them calm like just probably like you at this podcast where you made me talk a little bit to calm down so you can talk but you have to like get people to lower their defenses so that you can figure out how to meet in the middle and trust because yeah you could spend your whole life thinking that this gc is just out to get you i also love when people judge you because of a company name it's like so just because I went to elementary school with someone named Kayla who was mean to me, all Kaylas are just horrible people. That's like, true. I've heard that. Like, oh, I worked with this company before, and I can't stand them, so I'll never use them again. I'm like, well, you do realize they hire people. Like, the company isn't, like, the person. Like, I get I yeah. get why. I told, I've worked with people, too, and judged them because of the company they came from. But, but now that I'm older and wiser, not that much wiser. But that's how you got there. I yeah. mean, we all, like, that's what I'm saying is, like, when you see kids do stupid shit, you're like, well, they're kids. That's what they're supposed to do at that yeah. age, you know? And they're not born with the shit. You learn it over, and you collect it over the course of time. We all showed up in this industry. And we're like, why aren't you guys just doing this? It's so much easier. And then you realize, oh, I get yeah, it. Yeah, there's background stigma <laughs> that I have to deal with. Yeah, there's a lot of um, drag and resistance on yeah. change, right? Especially when you're in a kinetic... I've always said that I think that construction is like combat. Um, not personally have I ever been in combat, but what I have seen is a trend in which the people that I have from combat that sit in those roles, they thrive better than submariners do. And I'll tell you, it's because, you know, the famous quote they always have is like Mike Tyson's quote, like everyone had a plan until, you know, I punched him in the face. And a construction project never goes as planned. Oh, never. The only thing that doesn't change in a construction project from the day that it starts and the day that it ends is the schedule. <laughs> like that's the only thing that don't change is the schedule, but everything else is going to change. Well, there's also a thing to me that like, schedules are like a living a living document and mm -hmm. yeah you have a start you have an end date like those but there's some people that just get so caught up on like but you said on this date like the base was going to be in and it's like three days the out, base week will out, yeah. be in when the base is in yeah. like let's not get caught up on that like your electrical power is being commissioned right now like everything's going through startup well i promise you the base will be in in the next two months by the time i'm ready to be done but it, that's, that's kind trust. of, you know, people always get caught up on some of the I well, it's insecurities, it's yeah. trust. It's not yeah, on like you. I, I know I, it's never, it's always that like stigma. Oh, I've had contractors that don't finish their work. Take I have too. Yeah, like, we all I've have. had it too, but you just follow through and push it. But so it's, it's always fun to, I always tell people too, it's the younger gen, like not younger, but a lot of the interns that I had would have the stigma of construction and think that they had to come in just guns a blazing into every meeting. Yeah. And you're like, you said it here and now we're already here. Like we haven't any it's just a fun, but I still enjoy it. I still enjoy watching it, especially young people, because you were there. We were there. We we had to experience it. So oh, you yeah. get to watch them like, 
okay, now I'm here and now I'm going to learn this. And especially construction, it's just so much fun to watch them try to figure it out. But in that role, sadly, the only things you learn from are the things that you did wrong, <laughs> right? So you have to collect scars and you have to make mistakes and then you have to figure out how to maintain schedule. And, yep. you know, there's a million things, but I think that that's why I actually liked that stuff. I mean, I, I started in operations and got into all kinds of different shit and then went back to that type of stuff. And, and I found that I like how messy it is. I like how no two days are ever the same. I love how... Every day is a surprise when you show up to a construction site because you have no idea which transformer fell off the back of the whatever and what electrician did this and what happened to that piece of equipment. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. like, And the <clears> one <throat> thing you can always expect in constructions, it will never be perfect. Mm -hmm. But because it's, I think you guys, I think you had Huckabee on here, but I think he said it too. They're just people. It is a person out there using their hands to put it together. If it was perfect, robots would be doing it. It could only be as perfect as the human. Yeah. Right. And we humans are just never perfect. Right. So he's like, lower your expectations, bro. And I mean, he's the queen essential. Sam is one of the best oh, yeah. at that, in my opinion, because he, uh, he's also like you massively cerebral. So he, he you guys, that's a blessing and a curse your level of intelligence in his because you'll overthink too much. Oh, all the See, time. if you're a caveman like me, you're thinking about the 50-meter target, and that's it. You're like, what am I doing today? But we need each other. Right. That's the offsetting balance, right? You have to have people that are thinking the long game and those that are like, let's just uh, hold my beer. That's You need those groups like us too, right? Uh, like, yeah, you need people like you to call me out when my mind is over spinning, like stop spinning, because yeah. I will. I'll, I can go on forever and probably. But that's also the other thing too is when you are You'll all grow that. <laughs> you will. No one one day. But the perfection part, too, is hard for people to let go. Because You'll like, let go of that, too. Yeah, you got to let go of, like, understanding that there are going to be issues, and if they're not issues, there's probably something wrong because someone's not talking to you or telling you what they are. Like, I think it's okay to strive for that, but you yeah. better be able to oh, accept. perfection, you should always try. Yeah. But that would be like thinking my son Henry is going to be perfect. Because <laughs> he's <jeans>. yours. <laughs> It's mine. I got it. It'll be really <laughs> short, I'm guessing, too. No, I'm... <laughs> well, my husband's six two, so we'll so see. So now you'll age. have an average-sized oh, yeah. person? <laughs> There'll be one in the middle that balances out because we're, like, That's hilarious. Level. I always joke about that. But he is going to get his height because he's already almost taller than me. So how much did you learn? What was the greatest thing that you learned? That was your first operator. So what was the greatest value of that? Because you went GC, operator, and then you're like, hey, I think I still like this GC thing. So you went back to that. So I think... I think it was just remembering like the things you enjoy about construction, you know, like I, cause I do, I really enjoy, I like when a problem comes up and walking it and then we all kind of look at it and we're like, do all we have to do is this? And they're like, yeah, that's, that's the solution. Like, or, um, I used to love concrete. I don't know why I had a weird thing where I was. Really that is a weird thing. Super weird. Concrete is the worst too. Cause if you pour it wrong, you have to chip it out in oh, San Francisco. Anyways. Um, so I, I think I wanted to go back to just relive it because it, it was, it was a really amazing time for me. Like I really enjoyed it. Like I wanted to be a teacher and then I switched and went to construction. Not really like, I mean, you do projects at your house and stuff, but you don't really understand like the complexity that mm -hmm. you're about to jump into. And then I really love the problem solving the challenges, like in helping people put the pieces together to fix it. And then when I went to Cyrus one, uh, left there and I, maybe I have a tendency to want to go back to like comfort me, like what I've done before, like give me a little comfort and go back. And honestly, Gary and Katie were really, really great to me. And they were putting uh, together a pretty good band. It's oh, yeah. like you were the only DPR one there. There was yeah. some great alumni there. They had, uh, 
That's not where Dilly went, is it? Um, he almost did. Mike Dill almost went there. He's at Clayco now, but he yeah. ended up staying at DPR. And it was like it was exciting to think of trying to start something because they wanted to start a new mission critical group, and it would just was, was exciting to think yeah. about like bringing up people and teaching them what I know and like helping them become the next. And people. Gary, I, I've always got along with Gary. I've oh known, yeah, like, humblest guy act. ever. Yeah, super nice. And actually, guy. Katie's daughter is going to be a welder. She's welding. She's That's working awesome. in Gary's equipment yard welding buckets. It's cool. just amazing there. That's Very fantastic. Humble, so uh, when I did that. I think. <laughs> Didn't I? I'm the one too that's like, hey, I turn off my ringer. We're good to go. go oh, yeah, I got so, my ringer. I should probably hide it. No, I'm an idiot. Um, so then I just wanted to do like, it was still great and the mission was there and I felt like I went for a purpose, but I was just, I don't know, like when you're, when you're, I was like, I also had a tendency to cut it off. Like I just, Get bored you know, fast? Well, you know how, like, uh, it's really hard to hire people. So when I started at Hayden, Cyrus One, Jeff Devine uh, hired me to do 4.5 megawatts, like, right away. And we had just, I just got hired. Everything was new, and we didn't have a team. So instead of, I, this is also something I guess you learn as you grow. I, instead of putting more effort into just trying to bring people on, I was like, I'll doing, do more. I'll do all of I'll the, do all the I'm going to do all the work. And then, hope that they find someone in the background for me. Like, and so I was, <laughs> I I'll yourself. never forget Billy Dressel's like, why are you sending in RFI submittals, doing the OAC meetings, and you're also the superintendent updating the schedule? I'm like, well, I'm trying to hire people. I'm trying to get them because I also wanted to make sure I had the right people. Like, I, I overcomplicate, I overthought, I overcomplicated everything because I just was trying to, I was trying to make a perfect thing. When you but said- But was that you? Is that something else that's imposed on you? Was that- is that how you always are? Is that because you're a woman in a heavily male-dominated industry? I do think I felt pressure to prove that I could, like, I could do this. Like, I, mm. I can, I can build a team that typically, I don't mean this in a bad way, but a male could build. I guess you would say. Um, or, mm. but is there pressure? Have you felt pressure up to this point, or you had limitations because you were a female? Personally, for me, I the only pressure I ever felt was from me. Like, I, I always put a lot of pressure on myself. Like. Mm. But I think that also comes from like I've I've actually spoke to a lot of women. It's kind of a we have a lot of pressure and we you're so tired. Oh, I've had a long couple of days. Don't judge me. Why Don't are you judging you me? Judge me, you judge Judger Ted. I got bad habits. You know this. You have them too. Mm, <laughs> I'm into a song now. I'm into a song. Um, keep going. So uh what was I even I lost my train of thought. What were you were talking, talking about you're talking a lot of girls and they're oh, like Oh yeah. So they I think it's just kind of a, a tendency for us. Self-imposed. Yeah, to like, if we're not getting, and I hate to say validation, but if we're not getting like recognition, we want we want to work harder because we don't want to ask that we're doing. It's a weird thing where mm. we don't want to ask that we're doing good, but if we're not like getting no. the acknowledgement, it's if we're not thing. hearing it, we'll keep working harder and harder and harder, and we'll have a tendency to push ourselves to burnout to try and prove that like prove something or prove it like i don't know if you remember me talking about that at dcac up on stage where it's like and then when the raises come and you don't get a raise it's like world breaking because you're like but i've been busting my butt all year yeah. long but then you're also kind of afraid to bring it up because you have this like yeah like i remember there was mm. a few times where i was like man i'm kind of scared like a, and that's kind of where when we are talking about women in the industry where it's it's a nice thing if there's a male coach or 
someone, it doesn't even have to be Mel, but another woman, like just someone to help give them confidence. Like I was actually terrified to negotiate salary because I was like, I'm not worth. And it actually Jennifer Ringner is the one who's like, someone helped coach her on how to negotiate salaries. And she was like, you deserve this fight Perfect. for this, do this. And it's like, I don't know. What if I don't like, what if I'm not worthy of it? And she's like, you are know your own worth, like go in there. And again, it's hard because you need someone to say that to you. Yeah, Even though that, you should say it to yourself. But that's not a female thing. Have you that's, seen Mel Robbins where she slaps herself in the mirror, like air high five every morning? No. <laughs> you never? No. But um, you have to send me a video of that or something. But Yeah, uh, she's like a coach, like a personal whatever, mind brain coach or whatever. Well, I'll tell you, uh, girls don't own the market on those insecurities. And um, I think there's just an over, like I did a, our company did a 360 and then I did a, um, you know, a couple quarters and then we did another survey right after that to figure out how many of my blind spots was I able to fix, you know, uh, those three. I have a lot of those blind yeah. spots. Well, I have enough for the both of us in case you don't have enough. But um, <laughs> it's interesting because I've learned, you know, affirmation is just something that uh, is regardless if you're a man or a woman. Is I, I've discovered that I don't give enough of it, period. Right. And that was one of my biggest blind spots. And it's maybe because the way I was raised or the way, you know, uh, I just. I lead the way I want to be led, and sometimes I don't. I don't need a lot of affirmation sometimes, so maybe I just sometimes don't get it. But I realize it's really important to give it. It's it's everyone's different. Everyone's modeled different. So right. like you don't need it's what is that love language or words of love or affirmation or whatever. But like you don't need it, but some people do mm -hmm. need it. And then because they need it, they have a fear of like asking for it. So no, it's, it's a like healthy it goes, balance yeah, when you ask. It's like you have to bring yourself up. Well, first you have to recognize you do it. And then you can stop yourself from doing it because sometimes you're just so in the zone. You don't even know that you're like, am I over here just feeling bad for myself, wanting someone to tell me I'm special? But yeah, sometimes it is. Sometimes you just need. I think I, I got into a conversation the other night with someone about that. It's kind of related to marriage, but uh, where some women, when they're stay at home moms, their tasks become normal like it's day-to-day -day life but sometimes they just want to be able to come home and be like hey thank you thank you for keeping up the house or thank you for everything you do I couldn't be at work if you weren't here supporting the house so that I can go to work stress-free like thank you but you just get so into a system and a model you forget you forget to say thank you because it comes standard like getting to your car you don't tell your car thank you for getting me to work every day but humans need it sometimes and sometimes it feels out of place to give that to people too like you don't want to I don't know, my son, I don't want to constantly tell him, you're so good at your homework. You're so good at your homework, mm. but. As long as you're willing to give him the, the truth on the bad days too, because we all have bad days, right? Well, th I think that's something I super, super need to work on is the uh, feedback or the criticism. What is it? The crucial conversations. I've read that book like three times because it's those like, I always want to try and protect people and their feelings, but by doing that, I am not actually giving them what they need. Like if I try to pretend like, oh, I'll just wait this out and hopefully it goes away. It never goes away. It usually gets worse when you just need to go and have that crucial conversation, give that crucial feedback. And yeah, it'll sting for a minute, but at least they can understand it, get over it, not get over it, but grow from it and then move on. Because if you, I don't know if you've ever noticed if you hide from something because you don't want to confront it, it'll fester, 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 and probably be 10 times oh, worse yeah, than it Oh, yeah, bad shit doesn't yeah. get better over time. No, it doesn't just disappear. And I used to want to protect people and protect people's feelings because I I didn't want to hurt their feelings. But you're going to hurt everybody's feelings. You hurt people's feelings every day. But you can do it. What is that saying where honesty without 
like you can be honest, but if you say it with cruelty, then it's not good honesty. Well, that takes us back to where trust is the most vital part of every yeah. relationship because it's the foundation that you can launch anything from. And if I, if you don't trust me, then I can't have those unfiltered or candid conversations with you, mm -hmm. which are between mentor and mentee or a coaching relationship or a teaching relationship. And, um, and if you don't have that trust, then it's just an attack, right? But yep. the, I would say this is we are wired different, men and women, but that doesn't mean that there's – I mean, we have way more that we're in common with and we're not in terms of our mentality. Women have just as much fortitude. I've seen um, plenty of women do circles around some of the most impressive guys I've seen in this space. So I don't really – I was not – the military doesn't give a shit about that, right? I mean, I was never – I was born and raised on a military base my whole life, so like I – I was uh, not really, in, I was introduced to racism and sexism and like the, the construct of those things that existed uh, later in life because they didn't exist where I was at because no one gives a shit what you are and the, they don't care. If you're in the military and you're serving with another person, your life is in their hands and vice versa. You're not really asking about his religion or, you know, um, what, who do you vote for? You know, like you yeah. just don't care about those things. You're like, did you train? Are we trained? Are we good? You know, we, like we're going to live, right? Because that's why combat people are always the best in construction because I've literally seen pressure in programs and you've seen it too. Oh yeah. And then I watch guys that are like, um, we're all going home today. No one's going to die. Did you get shut out today? I didn't either. So let's just figure out the problem. Let's realize how, I mean, we're going to get through it, right? This is not the worst problem. And they, these have a relativity that they could layer on top of things. Maybe.